love you. Booyah, baby, we're back. And we're almost near the end. We're, we're getting there. We're, this is the yeah, three-fourths mark of Harry Pooper. Harry Pooper. Now we're with the uh, Half-Blood Prince. If your Harry Pooper is close to a Half-Blood Prince, you might want to go to the hospital. Yeah, you want to see the doctor about that. But we all know the the wizards have a cure for it. They got a cure for everything, man. It really does make them ass. I know we've already talked about it, but it really <laughs> makes them assholes. Knowing that they have the cure for such diseases that mortals, uh, muggles, are just completely dying of. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> You can you can at least slip some kind of medicine their way. Yeah, something. I mean, you know, cancer at the very least. Yeah, because you don't hear about that in the in the wizarding world. No, you don't. They die of horrific things that they catch when they're abroad at some magical landscape. That's that's the things they get sick with. Scary shit. <laughs> I'm the Green Traveler from Gorsh. I am the Faceless Leon. And I'm just having all these memories of the show Magicians flood into my brain. So, like, <laughs> the magic really kind of feels similar to this. They're not really flying around on broomsticks or anything. But, you know, they are going to school for, for magic. It's just grad school instead of high school. <laughs> and they just, like, oh my god. It's like us calling the wizards in the Harry Potterverse assholes just does not compare to the the nature <laughs> of the wizards in this show they oh, they man. are fucking dickheads it's great the only the only magic in school thing related thing that i can think of is uh charmed there's like a around like season six there becomes oh, they, a, a magic school <laughs> i don't know if it's a magic school but it's, it's like another another worldly school where they teach like demons and other things i think only one That's of them hilarious. is uh is a teacher there that's right i fucking watched charmed what y'all gotta say about that <laughs> <laughs> oh man i love that show there's a new charmed you know that right don't talk to me about this i'm sure it's i'm sure it's good like isn't it cw like i think it is i don't know it's on netflix yeah i'm sure it's good it's just I don't know. I, I love the original. It's just so silly and so just... It's not as well-connected. Yeah. I'm sure there's a better show that can come from it. But it's not a show for me because I like nostalgia. And, well, damn, that cast was phenomenal. Man, that show is just so of the era, though. I mean, wow. <laughs> I love its theme song. I am human. I'm meant to be loved. <laughs> it's like, why is this <laughs> Oh, okay. So we're not talking that though. We are talking witches. <laughs> we're also talking we wizards. Are. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're back with the Half Blood Prince. Came out in two thousand nine. Got her. He got an Oscar nom for. I don't know if the others got Oscar noms, but I know this one did. Whoa. Uh, but it got it nominated for the cinematography because they got Bruno oh, Delbanel, wow. and I love Bruno Delbanel. I had I had love for him from the first movie of his I watched, which. Honestly, that might not be true. I might have watched Half-Blood Prince before this movie. I'm not sure. But Amelie. It's this just beautiful little French oh, yeah, that's... Uh, romantic comedy. I, I watched a good chunk of that. To be perfectly honest, you know, I don't speak French, so I have the subtitles on. But I got really tired yeah. of having to pause the movie because they re they talked too fast. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's my that's my only critique of it is that I know it's going to be hard for people who are slower readers right. to catch what's going on because, as you said, the dialogue is super fucking fast. It's in that movie. so fast, and I'm sure if like if I spoke French, it would ha- it would be great. Oh I, yeah, I'm sure. And it is it is great. Like, I mean, I don't speak French, but like I've I've watched it so many times that you know I don't have that issue with the dialogue because I sure. kind of know what's going on. But it's such a it's such a beautiful little movie, and specifically how it's shot is just phenomenal. It looks it looks beautiful. It's gorgeous. I like the greens. Oh yeah, yeah, and and there's the, he uses yellows really well too. But that's Bruno Bruno Del Bonello. He is a great cinematographer. He also did uh uh um it's a Coen Brothers movie uh Inside Lewin Davis uh, with Oscar oh, Isaac. Oh, that was a good movie. It was an interesting movie. I don't know if if good's yeah. the right the right take on it but i I, I liked it a lot yeah i know i know i remember walking out of it and i seemed way more into it than you did which is fine it's a coen brothers movie yeah. that's kind of that's kind of how it goes you know you're gonna have one member of the party who's gonna be like that was a fucking masterpiece and yeah. the rest of the people are gonna be like eh, it was all right <laughs> yeah, yeah. most of them though i mean we should do some coen brother picks because i'm i love most of yeah them. and that movie too i really enjoyed watching it it was just the end of it this is our little yeah. secret. Here is a little secret review of this movie, which I forgot. <laughs> Inside Lewin Davis. Inside Lewin Davis. Um, <laughs> so. But but yeah, we're, but with uh, but Bruno Dobonel here, he brings the cinematography amazingly well. Yes. Like it, he really does capture this whole world. Like it's yeah. so beautiful. There's like there's so many good shots of you know just like there's a moment where they're at a they're on the seaside like sta- like Dumbledore and Harry are standing on a rock at right. sea and it's just everything is so chaotic in the waves and you just see these two little specks on the rock and it's oh it's a great shot it might have gotten nominated for other stuff but I knew it got nominated for the cinematography honestly I, I had no idea it got nominated I'm surprised that any of these films really got nominated but I'm happy this one did because I really do enjoy this movie oh yeah I do yeah. too and and it was weird because they brought David Yates back. You you would think, uh, given that he did Order of the Phoenix and how we felt about that, especially how we felt just leaving the theaters too, right? We yeah. would think that this would be a movie where it just continues, where it just continues to go downhill. But it's just like for me, the the things I remember hating about David Yates are the the Fantastic Beast movies, and Order of the Phoenix. I always remembered that I liked Half Blood Prince. But I don't watch it as often. You know, I think this is probably the third time I've watched this movie. Well, there's a lot of build and, that goes into it. You kind of need all five of those other movies to make. It. Well, I don't know. Like, there's <laughs> obviously the events in the fifth one are important to this movie, but really, it's mm-hmm. just hard to really pull any information out of that fifth movie. It's pretty <laughs> jumbly. Yeah, and and it's it's crazy. He does he does so well here with this one that yeah. it's it's kind of weird how everything was so jumbled in the last one and and again the sixth and seventh books are ones that i don't return to as often you know i've read one through five like 15 times and i've read six and seven maybe only eight (laughs) so it's like i still read them a lot but i don't remember them as well as the other ones but this movie's fairly loyal to the books i know there's differences but there's not any difference that i'm just like i need to talk about this because i think the movie just dropped the ball real hard you know because there's nothing there's nothing like super big about this that's missing that's good to hear as we all know i did not read that book but 
I'd imagine I enjoy it because the story fucking beats in this are amazing. I love it. Well, I guess, I mean, I'm going to start talking stories, so maybe one of us should synopsize it. Yeah, so it's uh, the sixth year at Hogwarts. Finally, a normal year. There's nothing huge going on. You know, there's, so the ministry has accepted Voldemort's back. Parents are scared that Voldemort is out there, but they also accept that Dumbledore is most likely the safest protector for their kids. So it's weird because they bring it up, but then at the same time, the amount of students that are there seems like the exact same amount as in the other film. So I it's don't like, no, um, actually, I thought that the Great Hall seemed smaller than in the previous oh. films, and uh, that there were less people at the table. They definitely didn't have as much of the enchantment going on, and that was yeah. probably because Dumbledore wanted to set the tone of seriousness the the fact that voldemort is back yeah. and that everyone is in danger yeah i guess for me what it was was that not only are all the common rooms completely full whenever they're in the common right. rooms and the classrooms are all full you see all the f- same familiar faces you see dean you see seamus you see uh right, right, the, right. the patil twins if anything you'd think that there would be a line like oh seamus didn't come this year because yeah yeah because his mom was worried you know with with the they, little bit of information we got from last uh movie anyways yeah and we got you got a little bit of that you get one line where somebody says like seamus's mom somebody's mom was like oh they didn't want him to come but i came because you know dumbledore's the only person he's afraid of there's like one line where they, they mention it right. but you even get more characters you get lavender brown who's <laughs> ron's weird little love yeah fleeing in this movie you know what i meant to look this up because apparently there is a little bit of controversy around that apparently she was played by somebody else up to this point and oh i don't know and that the the actor portraying her was black and i don't know if she was for some reason not available but all of a sudden now in this movie that she's supposed to kiss ron she's she's a white woman yeah i'll definitely fact check it because i don't honestly remember ever seeing or hearing of lavender brown in any of the films before this right there's one character that she's supposed to hang out with constantly in the books that's in this in the movies but that character is i think patty patil or Pravati patil or whatever okay and we did meet them and you've met you've met her and her twin sister yeah and she might she might have been hanging out with a lavender brown character before this but like i, I really just don't remember her they don't do sure. much with these with his schoolmates that's what again right. television right. universe you do it as a television <laughs> you can develop all these characters so that when we get to this fucking point you feel like you know them right exactly and that being said controversy aside she did a great job yeah jesse cave jesse who cave cave Hmm. but that's the beauty of this whole movie is you get to know the characters because for whatever reason david yates took the time to actually look into this universe of teenagers going to school you see harry and ron just chilling out in the hallways laughing at the younger students you see and the teacher saying you're not busy enough (laughs) yeah yeah go ahead take another class you guys are having too much fun (laughs) But like, 
what I meant though when I when I opened it up saying that it was a natural year, just like no crazy events. Right. Even though Voldemort is out and about and the ministry has accepted that. Or number two, you had the Chamber of Secrets. Number three, you had Sirius Black on the run. You know, four was the the, the Triwizard Tournament. Five was Dolores Umbridge taking over the school. We finally have just a normal fucking year. We're all gonna go to classes right. and have a good time. <laughs> and we're all gonna play Quidditch, damn it. Yeah, we're gonna bring Quidditch back into the goddamn franchise because it's been <laughs> out of the place for the last two movies. For real. But it develops all these characters. You get there's looks into Dean because Dean is dating Jenny, and we're getting right. that that love interest building between all the characters where Jenny has feelings for Harry. Harry obviously likes her, but Jenny's just dating around, and Harry's like, "Oh man, I'm bummed by that, but yeah, that's all right." Oh, and it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you get you get Ron and Hermione who are in like with each other. I shouldn't say in love yet, but they're in like with yeah. each other. Ron is in denial. They're both in denial. Well, I mean, Hermione's not really with herself. At least she's not. But like with right. others, she's in denial about it still. She's keeping it to herself because she does. I think like deep down too, there's another part that she just does not like that she feels this way about Ron because he's such <laughs> a dope. <laughs> Yeah, but she likes that he's a dope she likes helping right. him out with his essays otherwise she wouldn't have been doing it for six fucking years that's but it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just lovely you get all this this look in the characters and he really builds this high school world and it's like this is what i've been wanting from every fucking movie before now you know what we also get we talked about this in i think the very first episode of harry potter we get a callback to Seamus's ability to blow shit up. Yeah. <laughs> he's in potions class and he just blows something up in his face and he's got all those black marks, like scorch marks all over his face. And I'm like, finally. And and so so I do think because you're talking about people getting developed, I do think that this is where Blaze Zabini is introduced to. I don't think they've touched on his character before either. But he kind of replaces Crab because that gentleman playing him got in trouble with the law. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, and, and Jamie Waylett is the actor that I'm talking about. He, I mean, nothing like terrible, at least to start with. I've heard, I've heard other things, but I won't, you know, wring out his dirty laundry here. Oh. But that's why uh, Blaze became like his second or third, Malfoy's second or third instead of uh crab just little yeah. little thing i saw on the internet <laughs> i honestly never even paid attention to malfoy's posse because yeah, none of them that. get looked into <laughs> like outside of outside of the polyjuice potion and the second movie they're like they're not used in any way so it's just kind of right. like i never i never really pay attention to them because of just background noise that's fair but other other new characters uh we get our new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, oh. who is Professor Snape. He finally professor did it, guys. Professor Snape, yeah, finally. He made it. He's finally finally the professor in the position he wants. From what you're just saying, like, okay, so I literally just listened to the Sorcerer's Stone episode again today for, for posting it. There is a lot of parallels between this movie and the first movie. There's a lot of calls to that first movie. Oh, yeah. And, and the it second is movie. really interesting. Yeah, and the second movie. So it really does feel like a return to the world after we've had two movies that really just felt completely different. And, yeah. and 
well, three movies, even the the third one. Really, feels yes, it does different. feel different, but it does, but it also still feels like you're at Hogwarts to me, yeah. anyways. So this is a really good pullback into what the show, what we fell in love with this series for. Yeah, but yeah, as you were saying, Snape as the dark arts teacher. Yeah, they don't really go into his classes though. <laughs> No, yeah, you don't. You're led to believe he's doing good enough job that nobody's complaining about it, but it's just like it's not looked at. What is looked at is the new potions teacher, That's because true. Snape's gone. We got to put in somebody else. So here's our new staff member of the of the hour, and it is the absolutely wonderful Jim Broadbent coming yeah. in to play Horace Slughorn. And uh, I don't have my sonic screwdriver with me to to ring in the Doctor Who corner. There's the TARDIS. Ah, oh, he's here. The Doctor's here. Oh, who's here? They're here. They're here. Sorry, I said he. Oh, That's thank you. Know. You're right. But uh, Jim Broadbent, not technically a canon member of the Doctor Who universe, uh, oh. he he appeared in a non-canon uh, comedy relief special called the curse of fatal death and i believe he played the doctor i'm not sure uh it, it stars rowan atkinson rowan atkinson plays the doctor in this in the this comedy special which god just imagine rowan atkinson if he had ever been cast as the doctor that would have been just so lovely <laughs> uh might as well also say that there is another character who i overlooked back in episode oh, two yeah. who was part of the doctor who universe he does make an appearance here at least his body does it is the voice of Aragog, uh, Julian Glover. He plays Richard the Lionheart way back in 1965 in Doctor Who. Uh, and another character Whoa. in the late 70s. But yeah, the voice of Aragog, uh, who, who uh, Aragog sadly passed away during this movie. A oh. giant spider death. It's always so heartbreaking, yeah. I know. Yeah, it is. But you know, they're very misunderstood. It might be the eyes. <laughs> it might be the pincers. And the fang and the fangs. <laughs> I loved okay. I just did the there's a point where Daniel Radcliffe says that where he's just like, it might be the fangs, and he puts his fingers up like fangs and makes like some weird sounds and it's hilarious and lovely. But like this is this is where like I feel Daniel Radcliffe just enjoyed being the character. Because right. this is this is my favorite he's ever been in any of the movies so far he's he's just having a great fucking time with this movie right yeah i think maybe he had some classes over the break between the movies or maybe even another role or something because he definitely is breaking out of his shell a little bit not to say that he was doing anything wrong in his previous ones he just feels like he is more of the character especially when he takes the the felix whatever felix felice felice for the lucky, lucky the luck potion, potion. yeah yeah <laughs> yes he he does great when he's acting super cocky that whole oh, scene is good. wonderful because he's just so funny when he walks up to to professor slughorn and slughorn's like i can't let you walk the grounds by yourself well then by all means professor come along <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he makes me laugh that whole scene it's so funny and oh. I, I i mean this is this is uh daniel radcliffe foreshadowing the actor that i'm gonna you know that i've come to love because i just i think he is yeah. a great fucking actor 
Yeah, and he does some great stuff. Yeah, every role that he's done since Harry Potter. I, I mean, the Woman in White or whatever it's called. That's Black. Woman in Black. Yeah. Yeah. The Woman in White's a novel. <laughs> it's by Wilkie <laughs> Collins. Anyways, The Woman in Black. That was yeah. That's hit or miss. It's a good. It's a well, decent horror fine. film. And he did good. He's, in it. Yeah, he's great in it. But he's not like amazing in it or anything. He's just you know right. talented. But like him and uh, oh, what was that movie with Paul Dano? The one where he plays the dead body. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, Swiss God, Army that, Man. Thank you, Swiss Army Man. That is just you know is some of my favorite movie. acting. <laughs> um, we should do that sometime. Yeah, but Daniel's Daniel Radcliffe's acting in that movie is just phenomenal. Yeah, and and it's foreshadowed here. Both of them in that movie. Yeah, and it's foreshadowed here in Half Blood Prince because. I mean, even Ron and Hermione, like, they all seem like they've grown into these characters. And maybe they just got to a point where they were just tired of it. That they were just like, fuck it, we're going to have fun with it. And, you know, they just made it their own. So, like, that, that's totally possible. And it, it's just, it's never been better. This is, like, the best acting in the whole whole franchise for all, all of the characters, really. Really, yeah. That's the truth. Even Michael Gambon, who Dumbledore's part in this movie is as large as any of the movies. And yeah. maybe that's why I love it so much because he is he is very good in this particular movie. And I, I think if if we're really going to talk details in it, we should probably put a wall up. But he and Harry kind of secret away a couple <laughs> different times to do some things, and Harry kind of has to keep this to himself too. And it it makes yeah. really good story. Yeah, it's really interesting, and it really builds the the chemistry between those right. two characters because you haven't really gotten you know there's there's moments in the fourth and the fifth one where harry and dumbledore are becoming closer as teacher right. and uh, student in a way and it's it's really nice and you're just like yeah he's a good mentor but this one you you kind of get like a buddy cop kind of feel where it's like uh you know harry, yeah. dumbledore shows up at the beginning and he drags him along to go get uh horace slughorn and try to talk horace slughorn into right. taking the position and when they arrive outside of the house like dumbledore's like do you have any questions or whatever? I don't know the exact dialogue, but it's like, do you have any questions, Harry? And he's like, honestly, sir, at this point, I just kind of go with it. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, a, it's just a fun moment where it's just like, yeah. you know, Harry's grown into this like teenager and he's just, you know, him, I, I him feel and, like him you, and Dumbledore are becoming friends almost. Yeah. You definitely get the feeling that they would do anything for each other at this point. And, you know, I think maybe, that last scene in the fifth movie is supposed to give you that closeness that they're supposed to have up to this point, but really yeah. it isn't developed until this movie. I feel like uh, there there are some yeah. pretty interesting moments in the second movie when he's in his office with him. Yeah. But other than that, like as soon as Gammon comes in, they it seems like they kept on putting Dumbledore characters on on the shelf. Yeah, there's like there's small moments where he'll have like, you know, a good scene, one good scene with Harry or right. you know, throughout throughout the fourth book, you know, he's constantly talking with Harry, but there's like there's nothing like huge important or right, you know, exactly. between them. And and in the fifth one, as you said, there's more moments with him, but here in the sixth, it's it's kind of finally just like we're going to get to see Dumbledore. We're going to get to see right. his power. Yeah. And it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You saw it between the fight with him and voldemort in the fifth one which was also awesome but there's something he does there's a moment where he and harry are in a cave 
and it seems like the the danger is about to close in on them and that there's no fucking hope left. Right. And he does something so fucking rad that you're just like, holy shit, there's a lot of power that we haven't yet mm-hmm. seen behind this man. Yeah, I kind it's, of... It's, it's wonderful. I do kind of want to talk one particular scene, but I, I feel like ah, it's such a good scene that I don't want to ruin it for anybody who is afraid of spoilers. I know they're scary, folks. But anyhow, is there anything... <laughs> Uh, like I, I could deal with it being not in the episode. Uh, so is there anything you want to talk about behind the wall? I can't really think of anything specific that I would want. I mean, obviously the big thing. Okay. Yeah. The big thing. Yeah. Uh, I I feel like that definitely is we talked about the big thing. So if you want to see the big thing, hear about the big thing or, or do you need more time first? No, let's go ahead and dip behind it. We'll do the, wait, wait, just before we go. We're going to jump back to Quidditch, people. We're going to drop, jump back to Quidditch because you beforehand said there was something about Quidditch you wanted to talk about that you didn't talk about in the fifth one. Oh, right. So I, I mean, it goes, it, it's, it's with the development of characters again. It's, it's, it's with Ron specifically because there's, there's so many moments in the books where Ron grows as character that the movies kind of touch upon, but really just don't ignore right. or like or re- really just ignore because fuck it he's he's third bid role or whatever you know <laughs> it's just like he's it's Bron, it's harry hermione ron so it's like fuck it you know he's he's good enough he's got the status we don't need to develop in him anymore but in the books you know it's uh in the fourth one he struggles because harry is always having these great things happen to him and ron is just there and you know, as as I said, being the the sixth youngest son, that's kind of just weighing on him a lot. In the fifth one, there's this huge moment where he tries out for Quidditch, and it's another growing moment for him because all of his other brothers have done great things. You know, the Weasleys were on the Quidditch team. They're not great academically, but they got decent enough grades and and were funny and very popular that you know he f- still had to live up to their their legacy as much as all of his other brothers. And the fifth one, you get that moment where he goes out for Quidditch. But, you know, the movies, the fourth and the fifth movie was like, eh, fuck Quidditch. We're not going to talk about it. And you lose that development with Ron. Here in the sixth one, because Harry just becomes captain of the Quidditch team, you know, he's like, everybody's got to try out again. And so Ron has to try out again. He has this moment of all these nerves and he's really scared. And then, you know, Harry kind of tricks him, but he thinks, you know, he goes into it with so much confidence after being tricked in a way and just performs amazingly. And it's just this great character development that finally the movie was like, we're actually going to include this. We're going to keep this in and we're going to develop this fucking character. And it's fucking love, Ron. So it's like, thank you. I'm so happy this movie finally looked into him. And it was such a good friend moment, too. Like, Harry knows Ron well enough to know that he's not going to perform well. He's just going to be nervous unless he's tricked into being confident. And once he's tricked into being confident, he's amazing. And he can be confident thereafter that he can do it. Exactly. Like, as you said, Harry knows that he is competent and great when he sets his mind to it. Harry knows what he's good at. The only thing standing in Ron's way is Ron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he just exactly. had to just had to break that, and it's it's just a beautiful moment. And that I, you know, again, as I've as I've been saying all along, I love that how much this movie spent in the characters. You know, yeah. it, it looked deep in the characters, and I'm so fucking happy it did, especially with Jenny, because 
you know, one of the reasons I definitely want to do a television universe of Harry Potter is to develop Ginny because she is a great fucking character that is mostly ignored. Mostly ignored up to this point. (laughs) There's like maybe one or two moments in the last uh, in the last movie pointing towards their romantic involvement. Yeah. And, and like you, you always get to see her. There's glimpses of her in every movie, but it's like finally, you actually develop her character here. But right. I mean, even J.K. Rowling didn't really touch on her character. But boy, wouldn't it be interesting if Harry and her were actually just fucking friends? If we did a television yeah. world and she was actually, you, you know, we watched them be friends from her first grade, his second grade. Like right. that would be lovely. And you could be. build all the other characters that she's friend with, like Dean Thomas, like it's right. just all these people who were just touched upon. But like here, we finally get Jenny, and we get to see her fight with Harry. You get to see that she can, you know, she you saw it in the last movie also. But like she is a competent witch in her own rights, right? And and you see her here battling with Death Eaters with Harry in one scene, and it's just like fuck, she's really good. You know, they they make yeah. for a good team, a good a good fighting duo. So it's like finally we we're getting all this this character building for everybody that's not just Harry and Hermione and Ron. <laughs> yeah, and we also exactly. get character building for them too. So you know, there's also really good development of Malfoy in this movie. Like oh, you know, they yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah, they've been kind of. I think we'll talk about more of it behind the wall, but they've kind of you know been hinting at their rivalry throughout. Not hinting at it. it's pretty blatant rivalry between the two of them. Yeah. But now it kind of comes to fruition. We're fishing <laughs> for fruit. Fruition. Yeah, it's really good in in this particular story because now Malfoy hates Harry even more because he got his dad sent away. Yeah, and so, yeah, and you get you, good stuff. you get that Harry is also. You know, there's still hatred with Harry and Draco. Harry hates Draco also. But at the same time, there is sorrow now. Yeah. There's a new feeling for Harry because he he pities what's going on with Draco. He doesn't, you know, he wants to help if he can. Right. Because, and I think Dumbledore says it best, Harry is always kind. Like, he might be a jock. I mean, he really is. He's a jock. But he's always kind. Yeah, well, he's, he he's like the most popular kid, and not only in his school, but in the entire wizarding world. Of course, he's gonna be right. a jock. <laughs> the only the, like the amazing thing, and what I love about Harry, and it's it's honestly thanks to the Dursleys, who yet again are not in the in the fucking movie. We don't get the Dursleys yeah. any again. And Even though that's weird. Yeah, like it feels like he's living back in that that wherever it is he lives. Because, well, yeah. mostly because Dumbledore takes them to the Weasleys. Yeah. yeah. Where the fuck are they? But, like, but thanks to them, thanks to living with them and not living in the in the wizarding world, it kept Harry from being such an egotistical jackass. <laughs> like, because he really That's could it. have been. <laughs> everybody, everybody's talking about him, like, raising them up. It's like, the boy who right. lived. Oh, he's so important. And, yeah. and now in this he one, the chosen been. one. Oh he's so important you know he just because just because he was blatantly harassed by these two adults it it kept him from becoming such a jackass and like you shouldn't raise your kids treat your kids like that but at the same time 
Thank no. you for treating him like that. You kept him from being a jackass. Well, okay. Listen, I don't think I disagree in one element that they didn't have to treat him that way. He just needed to not be raised in the world that was constantly yeah. blowing up his head. Yeah, that's that's really all it is, is that thanks to not living in the wizarding world. Yeah, I don't want to give the Dursleys any credit. <laughs> no, yeah, they're they're shit people, they really are. <laughs> But I do miss them. Like, God, I want the yeah, movies to go back. That, like, yeah. why don't we get them? It just open. It opens up on Harry and some like knockoff Starbucks, like near, next <laughs> to the subway or the tram, as it's probably called in in England. And you know he's hitting on hitting on this he's being uh, a teenager muggle. Yeah, hitting on a muggle waitress. Oh fuck! Well, let's let's put up a wall. Let's let's talk about yeah, let's, some some of these more detailed things. Spoiler skippers to fifty one twenty. Walls built. And uh I think to talk the big thing, I think we might as well just jump into Snape. Yeah, if there's one character who's well developed throughout this entire movie, again, every character is way more touched upon and it's so beautiful than any of the other movies I've ever done. Except for the first one, of course. But Snape is the the one who gets yeah heavily built. I mean he and Malfoy, there there's his uh pretty intertwined uh and, and what's yeah. going on and, and malfoy's is more upfront. like snape's development is subtle like it, yeah. it's it's so it's so built in the, throughout the whole of this movie but it's kind of done in the background it's done through snape's visage through how he through how alan rickman just acts in the moment when like right. when he when his character has to make a decision you see it on his face how right. that decision's being made and, oh, it's, oh it's it's so good i love alan rickman so much uh, he such he a... does such a good job so he it's really kind of developed throughout though the series though uh what's going on you know so in that fourth movie they drop during the the crouch jr scene that he was a spy he was a he was part of the death eaters but as a spy and um now it seems that that's happening again but also for the death eaters they think that he's a double agent for them yeah so exactly yeah and you you got that that build up too in the fifth movie also with the order of the phoenix with him and uh serious black you got them arguing and 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 again you get the you get the opinion that some of the members of the order, like Sirius, didn't trust Snape. They were like, even though Dumbledore trusts him, right. we're not sure if we can. And in the sixth movie, you find out that not only does Dumbledore trust him so much to give him personal information, but so does Voldemort. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. Narcissa, Narcissa Malfoy, who has you know the most rules she's ever had throughout the entire movies... Uh, her Bellatrix, Lestrange, they both go to uh, Snape's to to try to basically talk Snape into guiding and protecting Malfoy throughout this movie because Malfoy has to do a dangerous task that that he's not sure that he can complete, and so yeah. are we not gonna say what it is? I mean, I I, I think we can, but I wasn't gonna say it blatantly up front in this okay. moment. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna build up to it. Build up to it. okay. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to deflate you. <laughs> but uh but narcissa doesn't believe he can can accomplish it the the big task that's been put at draco's feet and so she goes to snape to to make him promise that he would try to help and it's a funny moment because 
uh, for whatever reason, Wormtail is there also. I mean, he's there in the books too, but he doesn't really have much of a a reason huh. to be like he's just sitting there with there. Snape's house. Snape did like get him to leave the room though at some point. Yeah, yeah, he like kicked him out of the room, like literally, like put a boot in his ass and shoved him out. I feel like it expresses the idea that uh, Voldemort trusts Snape over Wormtail, and, and I think Wormtail, Wormtail. Thank you. And I think that that worm tongue is uh, Tolkien. Um, anyways, yeah. <laughs> uh, same character. And <laughs> and anyhow, Wormtail is expressed in that fourth movie too. Or maybe it's the, whatever. I think it was the fourth one where he says like, you love me out of fear or something like that. And yeah. there's something about that that Voldemort doesn't quite trust probably because if he could be afraid of well, yeah, him he, then he could be afraid of somebody else yeah whoever's the biggest the biggest bully is who peter pettigrew is right. going to be afraid of right <clears throat> and whoever's his biggest guard is going to be the one he's going to be best friends with so it's like yeah. that's how he was in as i mentioned i think the books mention it i don't think the movies do but that's how he was and at hogwarts was constantly bullied until he became best friends with, you know, James Potter, Sirius Black, and Remus Lupin, who were three big oh, geez. frat bros that you don't mess with. <laughs> and then after that, you know, you you know, he protected himself from the bullies with them. And then once Voldemort came to power, he protected himself from the Death Eaters by being Voldemort's friend or servant, right. really. So here, but, let me ask you something: Is Voldemort Tom Riddle? He's older than james and them right yeah yeah he was uh i would say it was probably in school like maybe a decade or more before okay i thought so i think when the first war happens he's like in his 50s oh really i'm pulling that out of my ass yeah i, I don't really know but i think he was he was much older because he had he had disappeared after hogwarts for quite a while like he had worked at uh he had worked at some shop in the uh nocturne alley okay it, the the actually the the borgen and burks where where okay. draco malfoy goes to buy the vanishing cabinet in this movie that's where voldemort worked after hogwarts because he was supposed to be like everybody was like shocked because he was supposed to be this huge great you know he he was great he was a great wizard in school yeah like there was a lot sure, of talk yeah. about how how good of a wizard he was and instead of going for the ministry, he just started working at this like random phone, like uh, dinky little shop in Nocturne Alley selling miscellaneous evil objects. <laughs> it's just like Jeez. what? Interesting. Yeah, and then, and then after that, he just he disappeared off the map. He just kind of left and started exploring magic. So I think I think he was gone for a while. But, but what I was going back to when Narcissa was there, it's it's just funny that Wormtail was there too because it creates this little Sweeney Todd reunion. Where it's like, you know, Bellatrix, Alan Rickman, I think his name's Timothy Spall, who plays yeah. uh, Wormtail. <laughs> and it's just like all of them are back in the same room and I'm like, man, all, we're just missing Johnny Depp. And then lo and right, behold, yeah. uh, Fantastic <laughs> Beast comes around and Johnny Depp is Grindelwald. And it's just like, ah, we got the whole, oh, the whole crew is here. Yeah, no, I mean like, yeah, she just needed to put her wand to his throat and then you know there you go you got a meme right there (laughs) (laughs) the wife of sweetie todd it's yeah it's it's funny and in that scene you get the unbreakable vow you uh, snape promises through magic that he will protect he will fulfill draco's task if draco's not able to and that task as we find out 
is murdering Dumbledore. Yeah. Because yeah. Voldemort can't do it because he's frightened as shit. So he's gonna make he's gonna make the the pleb of a son of the guy who failed him in the last movie and got sent to Azkaban. He's gonna make that that loser kid do it. Yeah. So once you finally finish this series, and I'm not gonna give any spoilers for the next movie, but it's so obvious what's going on and the foreshadowing is so so obvious after you finish the series and rewatch it that is but upon the first watch it's like how how could you snape how could you and yeah and i'm sure it's the same reading at least i hope so because that moment's so big and it it's just heartbreaking yeah you also don't get in the books you don't get the the acting of alan rickman so it's actually right, it's actually sure. less in the books when it when it happens wow. in the books you're actually more just like fuck you snape like because because as i was saying not only do you realize that dumbledore trusts him to be his like basic right hand man in the organization right but voldemort also does because when narcissa approaches snape she's like i don't know if you have heard that what malfoy's uh, what draco's task is and snape's like no i've heard the dark lord's told me you know it's like bellatrix is like what he's told you and it's like yeah, he tells right, me everything. Yeah. Both of these people, both of the the leaders of these armies of the polar opposites of each other, trusted this man so much that for most of the book, you're sitting there thinking like, yeah, Dumbledore is clearly has to be in the right. We don't know right. why, but like Snape has to be a good guy. And then you get to the end of the book, and like you're just like, holy shit, I feel like I was lied to. And yeah, it's just it's yeah. a heartbreaking moment. It just feels like, man, how could he have played this off so well? And, and you know, like it just felt it almost like when you first watch it, it almost feels like blockbuster movie twist, which it is. But I mean, it just yeah. it, it, it has that feeling like it feels like it came out of left field. But once you get the whole story, it is so good. It is the best part of the yeah. story. Uh, honestly. Oh, it really is. And it's all in his eyes. It's all in his his facial expressions and right, Alan Rickman's. Yeah. That is, because like when he makes that decision, when he when he casts the curse that he casts, unforgivable. He, there's so much. There's there's like sadness in his face, and also just like just darkness. Right. You know, because it's like the people the the Death Eaters around him, they believe that he's done it purely through intent. But then, but you look at his face, and you're just like, oh, there's there oh it's it's good it's There's so like, good and, and if you don't know the rest of the story it's like oh fuck he was conflicted about this but he did it he chose yeah I mean, he did what he had to yeah he would have died if he didn't do it do we want to drop the wall and just do a closing statement there was one more scene i wanted to talk about very beginning of the movie Go for it. that scene where dumbledore is forcing harry to force him to drink this potion is so good and then the, and the trap of that room in general from from like a game master standpoint is so fucking cool like they finally get to the point where he finishes this awful drink that makes him feel like he's killing it and then it leaves him with an unquenchable thirst which leads harry to the edge of the water where i don't they don't really name the monsters in the movie sure they do in the book yeah i don't remember the name of it but yeah he gets dragged in by like these corpses is what it feels like i've always kind of imagined them as the corpses of 
uh, the muggles and half-bloods and people born of non-magical parents that Voldemort killed. I think I think it is. I don't think he's killed all of them, of course, but uh, he that was one of his tools in the arm in the wars was he reincarnated dead corpses basically oh, and used God. them as an army. A necromancer too. Yeah, it's 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 just disturbing and i can't remember the name of the creatures but they are they are creatures that he uses as part of his war and yeah but my my only question is harry doesn't try this in the movie and i don't think he tried it in the books either but like couldn't he have just pointed his wand at dumbledore's mouth and did the the water spell like it just the guy made like get it done at one time i don't know it's like the the creator the 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 creator of this map of this of this trap as you said he made it so that you couldn't get water from the basin you couldn't put water into the basin you couldn't put water into the cup that you used to you know to to transport the water from the basin to your mouth you couldn't put water in there so your only option presumably was to take the cup to the to the actual water surrounding you and use that water but at the same time you're a wizard you can make water appear anywhere. He it shows him right. trying to make the water appear in the basin, and it doesn't work. But why not just go up to Dumbledore and just be like, "Yeah, open your mouth, Agua Mini," and then just like pour some water into his mouth? Like, wouldn't that have yeah. worked? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it would like all of a sudden like it would fill all the space in his throat because he was unexpecting it, and then Dumbledore would choke to death after choking down this potion. Oh. Well, I think I, mean, I think the spell doesn't make water just appear. It just makes water come out of the wand. So it's just oh, okay. it's kind of like turns your water your wand into a faucet, and you I just see. shoot water from it. Then yeah, he could have done. So that. it's just I like I guess maybe he the the creator of this mat this design had uh maybe he made it so that magic itself just did not work. Like you couldn't just do or, magic in that area. Or maybe there is a charm on the cup too that makes you think okay. There's water right there. I, it's a pretty devious fucking trap. And I've wanted to use <laughs> yeah, it, it in D&D. But, you know, I feel like it'd be too obvious. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing This thing, uh, that's actually cut from the movie that's in the book is more of the more of Tom Riddle's backstory. Because you get how much of a, a devious planner Voldemort is. You get how much right. of, a, of a strategist he is when you look into his past, uh, which is done far more in the books in the book that is they have one scene in the movie where you show dumbledore meeting tom riddle for the first time and that's like the first class that he and uh he and harry have together where dumbledore is teaching him basically all of tom riddle's life to prepare him to fight yeah. his enemy uh to better fight his enemy with his uh and cabinet of tom's memories yeah yeah with this creepy creepy ass pensive yeah it's <laughs> and, so strange but but in the books you have so many more memories you don't just have that first memory with the with right. dumbledore meeting tom you have his parents or like or his remaining his remaining family members i can't remember who they are to him but like they're you know the last of the slytherin line and they're living in a Whoa. rundown shack out in out in the woods <laughs> Like I think it was his mother and and her his mother's family because his father was a muggle so he just he doesn't like that, right? But you get more of his family history, and I think there's also a few more instances with him and Slughorn, where it's not you know you get more of what he was like in school also 
yeah, you, you build that strategist, you build that, that yeah. view of this devious mind and what, what he was like as a kid and what he, be, what, where it came from. And it's lovely. So it's, it's left out mostly in the movie, but they get the, the gist of it in there. Yeah. I think they do a good job, especially through the plot of what Dumbledore is trying to get Harry to do with Slughorn, uh, which leads to eventually the fact that Slughorn taught, not like directly, but gave him like answered some questions to Tom Riddle about Horcruxes which are the yeah. crux of the next two films. Haha. <laughs> nice. Yeah, they are. And my only problem is they make it very vague how the book and the movies don't really explain how a horcrux is made. It's just like it's complicated magic, you know. It's yeah. just like, well, how do you do it? Well, you got to kill someone, of course. Stuff, Tom. It's, yeah, it's like it's got to, it splits your soul when you kill somebody and I'm like Okay, so you have to kill somebody to create a horcrux. Now, does it happen every time you've killed somebody? Because I'm telling you now, yeah, in the wizarding world, that's happened a lot, and you only ever talk about Voldemort being the only one with horcruxes. So well, obviously, there's a weird ritual, ritual spell and shit do, yeah. that has to go down. But but then again, it, Dumbledore assumed all of this. He assumed that that's what Voldemort was doing. So the real the real answer he was looking for was how many right would voldemort yeah. do right and just because of this one memory yeah and it seemed like though to me as well though that he didn't quite know it was a horcrux at least the way he was talking about it because with the words that they had michael gavin say anyways he pulls out the diary and the ring and he's like i knew that they were powerful dark magic but i didn't know exactly what that's a paraphrase yeah. obviously so he knows that he's done something to imbue himself into these objects but for some reason he didn't know exactly it was a horcrux but i think he knew it was a horcrux he just didn't want to confirm sure. with himself that it was a horcrux he was denying himself that knowledge because he didn't he like, know i feel how like he knew what they them. were yeah and then and then and tom's like say could somebody do it seven times and and you know like jim broadbent uh horse slughorns is like fucking jesus man like (laughs) yeah and it's just it's it's hilarious how they treat homicidal maniacs in this this world because it's just like that tom riddle mentions like killing seven people and they're like holy shit that's not good and in today's time it's just like that's just a conversation kids have you know it's just like you think you could kill seven people i don't know man I, i think i might be able to kill like five and then feel real bad about it it's just like it's just all right we're also desensitized to this shit in our world (laughs) i know we're gonna watch the movie here soon but does slughorn make it to the seventh movie as the the yeah dark arts teacher yeah yeah, yeah, that's the breaking of the uh well as the potions teacher that's the breaking as the the potions teacher that's right well no somebody else has to be the dark arts teacher it was snake uh yeah but snape becomes headmaster of the school so i think he gets to choose who teaches what in his school that's true that's different yeah so i think i think he chooses a death theater to choose to teach dark defense against the dark arts which is actually not defense against the dark arts under snape it's just the dark arts i think Um, yeah they change it to the dark arts yeah yeah so i guess i guess the i guess technically the curse is still going there (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh all right let's take it on the wall and give some closing statements yeah boy
The Walls Down. Should I go first? Okay. All right. Damn good movie. So I was re-listening to our first episode on this series. I gave that movie a face and a half. And, well, goddammit, I like this movie more than that movie. So I really want to give it a face and a half. But I don't think this movie could stand alone like that movie could. So I think it's just going to get a face, even though it's my favorite. Well, oh. probably always be my favorite. I, and I highly recommend it. But you can't watch this movie without watching five other movies. <laughs> so for that reason, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it gets a face and a half. But it's so good with its character development, which is pretty much mostly what we talked about. Both of the, the plots that are going on are awesome. And they're weaved together very well. Yeah, it sets up the, the finale, the two-part finale, amazingly good movie yeah wonderfully done i agree with you wholeheartedly i actually i'm gonna give it four stars just because i gave the first and second one four stars i agree this is my favorite one i love how much they looked into the character and into this teenage world yeah you got a lot of teenage romance going on and it's silly and it's funny and i love it and they're all growing as characters and it's just it's fun to watch i've hate i've harped on the the flashy cgi of the the magic and how it's just become you know point your wand and then a streak of light but this movie made it really intense and exciting yeah. when those scenes were happening it was it was kind of i was like okay maybe i'm being too harsh on this because going back to this movie i'm enjoying it like i just don't like what it is in the fantastic beast and where to find him it just feels wrong for whatever reason but here i don't know there's there's a couple scenes where they have little duels and spats with magic and i'm just like this yeah. is still riveting i'm i'm still enjoying it so maybe i'm just wrong about it but <laughs> you know lovely build to the characters great storyline i mean yeah as you said you got to watch through five movies to get there but i don't know i think getting here is kind of just like oh finally (laughs) we're back to a good harry potter movie it's a good reward for sitting through some of the other films particularly the fifth one i like like i said in the fourth review that was much better than what i remembered and i think though you have to watch it a second time to get that opinion though because it's just too fast paced to catch the subtle foreshadowing of what's going on that it seems like it's out of left field but when you rewatch it you're able to see that foreshadowing they actually do put in the work for the story there's just so much that goes on in that fucking movie that it's hard to keep up and then the third one, it's a little bit of a strain away from the magic that was built in those first two movies, but it's also a very good movie. So, so far... Yeah, it's still entertaining. So far, we're four out of six, which is two-thirds of the series being very strong movies. So And right now, three of them yeah. are four stars for me. There you go. There you go. So, if you haven't watched Harry Potter yet, go do it. <laughs> I did want to say there were some... Uh some hilarious one-liners uh in this movie one in particular that i i took the time to write down that had me laughing so much was there's a moment where uh harry and jenny like sneak away and uh i think they're in like the owlery or whatever and they have a moment and you know the camera pans up and it's like look at the sky while these teenagers do some things ha 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 (laughs) and then it cuts to harry like walking down the hallway and ron runs up to him and he's like so did you and jenny do it then (laughs) and, yeah, <laughs> and harry just like stops he's like he's like what he's like so scared <laughs> just, he's like Whoa. 
and then Ron's like, "Did you guys mail the letter?" Uh, and it's just like, "Oh, I love that." Oh, was, yes. <laughs> it, this yeah. movie has that kind of juvenile humor, but it's a fucking. But they it. are teenagers, so it works. Like they don't, they don't ever go to a point where it's inappropriate. Honestly, if if anything, the closest they've gotten to being inappropriate was in that fourth movie with the students from that other school like there was a lot of skirt oh, yeah. shots and in, in that particular movie. <laughs> it was still weird. hung still hung up on the butt shots are you well it's weird man <laughs> they're like you know they're kids <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were 21 year old actors they did seem like they were adults they they did but all right i think that's our show unless you got got another yeah. quip in you no, I, I nope. That we're good. I All right, show's over. Been the green traveler, <laughs> and I have been the faceless Leon. Safe travels and good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of Fiction Works Nineteen. If you like the show, please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.